Hello, it's David here. Thank you for listening to The Leader. We're bringing you news, analysis, interviews and commentary from the Evening Standard every day at 4pm. Hit the subscribe button and then you'll never miss out. Please share us on social media too. Use the hashtag The Leader Podcast. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. How to get your child ready for the return to school. What are you going to be teaching your child if you suggest that there is a way of living without risk versus a way of living with risk? There is always risk. Child psychologist Emma Kenny gives advice as the Prime Minister makes a personal plea for parents to send children to classes in September. And... The silver medal will go to her longevity. But I think by far the thing she'll be remembered for is alternative facts. Evening Standard columnist Matthew Dancona on the legacy of Kellyanne Conway as she quits the White House. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, what to do when the kids go back to school. This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It used to be hard enough to get your kids ready for school. At any age, there's the five more minutes plea, the breakfast, the toothbrushing, the getting clothes on, early morning sibling rivalry jibes, and then either shooting them out the door as the clock ticks onwards or grabbing them by the hand and racing to the gates before you have to do the walk of shame through the office because you're late and invariably you've forgotten something on the way. This September, though, brings new difficulties. Many children haven't been to school since lockdown was imposed on March 23rd. Lives have changed. Routines, if there were any, are different. The first day back at class will be a shock to the system that none of us have ever encountered. It is going to be hard, but our editorial column says it'll be worth it. The government's campaign to ensure that schools reopen next month has been stepped up with a declaration in this newspaper by Education Secretary Gavin Williamson that there is a moral imperative on all those involved to deliver this. 
As the chief medical officer, Chris Whitty, has made clear, there's an incredibly small risk of children suffering lasting harm from COVID-19, whereas they can sustain significant damage from being absent from class. Schools must reopen and parents must do their bit by sending their children when they do. So what do we need to do to support our children when they go back to school? Well, I'm joined now by the child psychologist, Emma Kenny. Emma, how difficult is this going to be for some kids? I think that kids going back to school on one level is brilliant because children need to be around children. Teens need to be around teens. They need to be with their mates, socialising and having those conversations that they can't have with the parents. That is key to development. However... Going back to a inverted commas, the word that everyone's saying, the new normal, is going to be affronting because it looks different. It feels different. The rules are different. It smells different. Breaks won't be available at certain schools, only dinner hours. So whilst you might have a reduced day, it might seem incredibly long. And on top of that, you might not be taught in the way that you've been taught prior. So you have to come to terms with this whole new situation, which for most people, changing one habit is quite a challenge. But when you've got to change many habits all in one go and also recognize why those habits have been changed, which has come from quite a scary position, understandably stress, anxiety, and also on a longer term level, I think particularly for the teens, they're not stupid. They know they've missed six months of their education and they have fears about what that means and how they compare on their education level in their school to other schools who may have done things differently. So what does a parent do to reassure someone who's maybe you know, a 14 or a 15 year old, an older child, that it's going to be okay. Essentially, as a parent, your job is to be the biggest cheerleader your child has, to remind them that even on an attainment level, if they drop a grade, it's not the end of the world. There are still opportunities. There are lots of possibilities from apprenticeships to going into the workforce. And actually, one of the things that we often say is, bizarrely, chaos tends to create the most growth in people. So even the negative stuff can usually in the long term be really positive. One of the things that I would say to parents, and it's something I've really had to think about and just state on myself, both as a professional and as a parent, is usually I would be saying to my child, this is temporary. This is a measure that's just going to be for a short amount of time. But that's what I said at the beginning of lockdown when I was told it would be. And now we're six months down the line. So I think instead of trying to do that knee jerk, this is all going to be fine. Everything's going to get back to normal. It's more, okay, this is normal now. How do we adapt to it? How do we manage your stress and anxiety? And together, how do we make maybe not the most perfect situation feel at least better than it would be if you were sat at home without any of your mates. Emma, is it true that children adapt and they can change, they can work with different environments quite quickly? One of the things that I've always found a bit of a myth with the whole idea about kids' resilience is I think that's the way that us adults like to just imagine that we don't have to think about our kids' feelings. That somehow when something terrible and tragic or difficult and challenging occurs, kids just get on with it. And that actually plays them a real disservice because for a lot of kids, this is going to be really challenging. It's going to provoke anxiety. They might not talk to you about that, but it's there. They might feel quite scared about the changes also they might feel very isolated when they return because they might not even be with their friends so to speak so I think that for parents it's best to see that most children learn coping strategies like we all do some won't do as well as the others and then we have to really step in and figure out how we're going to 
bring them to a position of peace within that experience. But I don't think we should do that whole, they'll be fine. I think that's the way that often we miss the real problems that children are developing. And certainly what I'm seeing online in forums that kids are talking about things, when it comes on social networks, they are struggling. They really are. And we must hear that. I know that when my kid's going to get back from school and I ask him how it went, he's going to go, yeah, it's fine. And that's going to be the extent of the conversation. How do I and other parents bring this subject up? Or should we? Or should we just let them take the lead? I genuinely think that like most particular teenagers, those one statements that they make are fine, it was okay, and so on and so forth. If we accept that, then they're never going to elaborate because it's just the way that they've learned to communicate, not having to share any deeper their feelings. So I would have this particularly with my younger boy. So what I do is every single day we go in our garage basically which we've made into a gym and we work out together and when we work out I deflect his thoughts from many things and concentrate on a communication style between us which is about okay tell me about what's going on how are you feeling what's frustrating you and the other thing that I do and I think it's really helpful and we do it in conflict work actually is we do side by side communication so in the car or when you're walking it means that you've not got those kind of really present body cues where you're looking at each other in their eyes and it feels quite really personal instead if you can kind of just do this side by side and just use open questions you know tell me what happened at school today tell me what you struggled with tell me what you enjoyed and just finally Emma I know there's going to be lots of parents who are unsure about this there is trepidation about sending the children back to school while we're still in a pandemic for them is it worth it what are the benefits or what could be the dangers of not sending their child back what you have to be as a parent really is the most rational sounding board for your child we know statistically your child is more likely to get struck by lightning than die of this that's a pretty healthy statistic secondly we also know that whilst cases of the virus have gone up actually incidences of death have gone down that's again a really reassuring fact and one of the most important things and it's certainly the way i've raised my boys is you live with risk every single second of the day what are you going to be teaching your child if you suggest that there is a way of living without risk versus a way of living with risk there is always risk but for kids school absolutely is vital for them to feel connected have belongingness learn and most importantly recognize that there will always be risks so undertake to do that life joyfully in spite of that Next. No one had ever tried that one before, which was not to say, no, 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 you're wrong, but simply to say, yes, I, okay, so you've got these facts, but I've got some others. Just the alternative facts, ma'am. Matthew Dancona on Kellyanne Conway's influence in politics. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're saying it's a falsehood, and they're giving Sean Spicer, our press secretary, gave alternative facts to that. But the point remains that there's... Right out of the gate, Kellyanne Conway took an aggressive line in her defense and promotion of Donald Trump. That was her on NBC's Meet the Press two days after the inauguration in January, which the former White House press spokesman Sean Spicer had claimed had seen the largest audience ever, a provably false statement that Ms. Conway infamously called an alternative fact. Now with her husband George leading a Republican revolt against Donald Trump and her 15-year-old daughter Claudia saying she's filing for emancipation from her parents, Kellyanne Conway is quitting the White House for, in her words, less drama, more mama. I'm joined now by the Evening Standard columnist Matthew Dancona, whose book Post-Truth and How to Fight Back examined the influence of people like Kellyanne Conway. Matthew, let's start with her statement. Is that the whole truth? Donald Trump is still behind Joe Biden in the polls right now. I think it's part of the truth. Um, I mean, Kellyanne Conway has had what you might call domestic trouble over um, her long alliance with Donald Trump. I mean, she, she was, you know, at the helm of the campaign in 2016 that that won the presidency and she's been with him ever since. Um, Her husband, George Conway, can't stand Trump and and has until just now been closely associated with the Lincoln Project, which has been very anti-Trump. And their daughter, Claudia, who's 15, has gone on social media saying, you know, she wants to be essentially divorced from her parents because it's driving her crazy. So you've reached the point where the whole family is is sort of disintegrating in the public eye. And I think that was the moment when she chose to go. Now, I think there's also an extent to which for Kellyanne Conway, it's a pretext because um, bits of red hot engine casing are flying off, you know, Air Force One at the moment. And uh, although Kellyanne has been a very, very loyal supporter to Trump, the woman that he could always depend on, the woman that was never going to go, the woman that was never going to flinch, has actually left the or is about to leave the the, the White House, absolutely in his direst hour of need. You know, right before this, what's obviously going to be a bitterly fought presidential election with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So actually, although Kellyanne Conway is not a household name to the extent that, let's say, Steve Bannon might be, or um, the president's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, or Ivanka's daughter might be, in a way, this is, this is almost as grievous a loss and possibly worse because she was the person he could depend upon. And for her to leave so publicly and at this moment is a very big deal. And she was the one who switched from Ted Cruz to lead Donald Trump's campaign and won, which took everyone by surprise. She does have a lot of political nails, doesn't she? Yes. I mean, I think um, even if, like myself, you're uh, pretty appalled by almost everything Trump stands for, uh, you have to acknowledge that there were a group of people amongst whom she was very prominent who realized that Trump 
um, to use Steve Bannon's phrase, was the imperfect instrument, which is he had huge flaws, you know, obvious glaring flaws, but there was something about him that could get him over the line. And one has to remember, you know, back in 2016, that was regarded as a laughable um, idea. Right up, really, until polling day. And um, she saw that there was something about his, his combination of sort of brutality and uh, performance quality that made him someone who, who, who might amazingly, for someone who'd never had any political experience at all, get into the White House. So one has to credit her with, with that level of insight, I guess. It was totally counterintuitive, but she went with him she helped him win the White House and crucially, she stuck with him. But then there was alternative facts and there was that time that she made up two Iraqis carrying out a terrorist attack that turned out to not be true. And there was that time that she was chastised for apparently campaigning while being a White House staffer. And there was that time she was chastised for supporting Ivanka Trump. Are these the things she's going to be remembered for over and above her abilities as a political strategist? Well, I think the silver medal will go to her longevity because Trump gets through advisors and cabinet members like a dose of salt. So the, the fact that she's survived this long and endured will, will be part of her legacy. But I think by far the, the thing she'll be remembered for is sort of under the umbrella heading of alternative facts and that was a really big moment because here you had someone who was incredibly close to the leader of the free world advancing as a kind of plausible way of approaching life that you could kind of choose your reality from a buffet you know yeah yeah you know you think that it was Obama's inauguration but I but but my facts say that it was President Trump's and it caused much mirth and, and still does, but actually it's, a, it's, a, it's an extremely dangerous idea because it, it suggests that the facts don't really matter. Emotion is what matter, uh, matters. Uh, allegiance and loyalty are what matters. What matters is the group that you affiliate with. You know, I've got my facts, you've got yours. Um, and I think that's what she'll be remembered for. I think alternative facts is, 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 a, is you know, uh, not a bad title for the damage that the Trump presidency has done to politics because it has taken out of uh, political life the idea that there are things like expertise, research, evidence, institutional traditions, a constitutional um, background that's very that's much treasured and simply uh, introduced a, le a level of complete fan fantasy-driven spontaneity. Could Alternative Facts be also the title of her autobiography? Because she must have an extraordinary story to tell. Do you think she'll ever tell it? Well, I hope so, because I think of all of the, the memoirs one wants to read, you know, she's, she's right up there. She's a very intelligent person, um, which in a way makes her um, complicity in the Trump presidency uh, even harder to acquit. And that's the leader. You can read more from Matthew in the Evening Standard and online at standard.co.uk. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. <laughs>